John chapter 11, verse 14 and 15, and then we'll skip down to verse 34. If you have it, say, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Verse 34, and said, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35 says, Jesus wept. And then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. And let's skip down. We'll go down to verse uh, 43. And it says, and when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Mm. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I would like to entitle this message tonight, Don't Call It a Comeback. Don't call it a comeback. Many of us uh, in here are old enough, uh, may not have listened to this genre of music. But in 1995, uh, from his platinum track, Mama Said Knock You Out, LL Cool J opened his song with this line. Insinuating that you shouldn't call it a comeback because I've been here. And I want to borrow his phrase tonight for just a few moments. We've had the opportunity in the last two years to witness in athletics two of the most historic comebacks of our lifetime. In 2016, in the NBA Finals, the Golden State Warriors were up on the Cleveland Cavaliers three games to one. No one had ever come back from being down 3-1. Needless to say that everybody felt that the series was over. And all of the bookies and people in Vegas had their money bet on Golden State and everybody uh, counted out the Cavaliers, but needless to say that we know that the Cavaliers came back and won four games straight and did what had never been done before. Even after winning game five, uh, people still doubted. Well, it was 3-2 at that time. They won game six and people still, well, they're not going to win. And they went to game seven and won game seven, 93-89 to in overtime on Golden State's court and did what had never been done before. In spite of the critics, in spite of what everybody else said, in spite of all of the opposition, they still won. In this year's Super Bowl, the Atlanta Falcons were up 28 to three, with a little over three minutes remaining in the third quarter. Everybody in America and around the world felt that that game was over. Right. But during one of the commercials, 
one of the cameras caught the sideline of the New England Patriots. And they caught Tom Brady encouraging and motivating his team. Down 25 points and their opportunities looking bleak. There's still one person that believes. And it wasn't long after that, you know how the story went. Uh, New England came back and won the Super Bowl. Now, statistically speaking, they were only given a 0.3% chance of winning. Down 28 to 3, ESPN released a statistic that said there was 99.7% chance that the Atlanta Falcons were going to win the game. But there was one person who believed. In the Super Bowl, Tom Brady, who is considered by many to be the greatest of all time, would not let his team quit. It was not long until everybody around him began to feed off of the same energy that was on the inside of Tom Brady. Yeah, it's true that greatness can uh, be tangible and rub off on others. That you can inspire other people to believe what you believe. In the NBA Finals, LeBron James and the Killeen Cavaliers uh, were down 3-1, and his statistics proved that he felt that they could still win. He averaged 30 points, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists on his way to receiving MVP honors and winning Cleveland's first championship in over 52 years. Doing what seemingly was impossible. And everybody around the world said we witnessed some of the greatest comebacks in history. Well, that's because they didn't look long enough and far enough to find out that there were some other great comebacks. Y'all will talk back to me after a while. I think that the story of Lazarus tells of a greater comeback and if you'll give me just a moment we'll walk through some important things that happened in this story that will allow us to appreciate the comeback. Now look at somebody and just grab and say it's a comeback. In verse 4 we find that Jesus has found out that Lazarus is sick. And Jesus responds to the news that this sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory. Somebody shout glory. Glory. That word glory in the Hebrew is the word doxa. And it means the opinion or the view of. And what he says is this sickness is not unto death, but it's for the opinion of God. That the Son of God might be glorified thereby. That word glorified is the word doxazo. And it means praise and celebrate. Let me fix it for you. What he was essentially saying is this sickness that that, that Lazarus has, uh, you're looking at it from one perspective, but this uh, sickness is so that you can see the opinion of God. Yeah, see, you need to understand that God's opinion about things is different from our opinion. That's why he says to us to let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. See, there's a way that you look at your storm and then there's God's opinion of your storm. And so what we have to do is change our opinion in the way that we see things and how we view things to how he sees things. And so he says that one 
once you see God's opinion, you're going to understand that it's for his opinion, but he's doing it for my glory. Whatever is happening in your life, I need you to understand that God needs you to change your opinion of it so he can make it work for your glory. What he was saying was, I know that this thing, you're going to see God's opinion, but he's saying it's for the, so that the Son may be glorified. What he was saying was, God's opinion is going to cause you to be celebrated. Once you get through going through what you're going through, because your opinion of it changes, God's going to cause you to be praised and celebrated after you come out of it. Now that's good preaching. So he says, you have to change your view and your perspective so that you can see it from his perspective. What we were saying was, very recently, is that you have to understand that things are not happening to you, but they're happening for you. And you might feel like it's happening to you, but what happens to you puts you in a role of a victim. What happens for you puts you in the place of a victor. And so we've changed our verbiage and changed how we say that there's nothing happening to me, but things are happening for me. Even things that I don't understand and I can't explain, I just have to believe that all things are working together for the good of them who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose, not my purpose, but his purpose. And so I understand that when I come out of this thing, that God is going to celebrate me. In verse 5, the Bible says that now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. It might seem strange that they insert this in the middle of the story because it goes on in verse 6 and it says, And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two more days. Now this bothered me, Pastor, because in verse 5 it tells us he loves them. And he knows that they have some problems, but in verse 6 it says he's not in a hurry. Yeah, and see, some of us, when we bombard heaven with our prayers, we think that God is in a hurry to get there. Yeah, he's in a hurry to come see about you. I need you to understand that just because he don't show up exactly when you pray does not mean that he's not concerned. And I believe that that's why in verse 5 he put out the disclaimer to let you know before we get to verse 6 that he took his time. I need you to understand that he loved them. Yeah, and so I need you to understand that just because he don't come when you want him to come, does not mean that God does not love you. Does not mean that he's not concerned. Does not mean that he does not care. What it does mean is that God does not work on your time. Yeah, can I help somebody right there to understand that if you go, if you can't wait on God, then you won't see God. Yeah, there's so many people that try to rush and get ahead of God and, and have not learned to wait on God. Notice that I said you have to learn to wait on God because when you're waiting on him, you got to put your agenda aside. When you're waiting on God, you got to put your pride aside. When you're waiting on God, you got to put your plans aside. Yeah, you have to learn to wait on God. That's God. That's God. That's God. That's God. So he says he loved them, but he stayed two more days where he was in the same place. Yeah. Verse 7 says, Then after that he said unto his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. Yeah. yeah, you notice that he says again because you might not know the story, but if you go back to John chapter 8, yeah, you'll find that Jesus got into some trouble the last time yeah, he was in Judea. And yeah, last time he was in Judea, he called some folk out. You got to be careful. Yeah, when you start calling folk out, you got to be careful because you might not be invited back to their church. You might not be invited back to their prayer service. When you start telling people yeah, that they ain't doing what 
feel good message that Jesus said. I didn't come to preach a feel good message. I came to seek and to save those who were lost. And so in John chapter 8, the Bible says that they were claiming that Abraham was their father. And Jesus says that no, Abraham ain't your father because if Abraham was your father, then your behavior would be different. I wish we had some more people like Jesus that weren't afraid to stand fat and tell people that I hear what you're saying, but your life ain't lining up. I hear what you're saying, but I see what you're doing. And what you see, what I see you doing speaks louder than what you're saying. The day and time has come where we need people that will not only talk about what they do, but live what they do. Yeah, the Bible says, be ye holy for I am holy. And here they are claiming that Abraham is the father. I preached a message a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that who's your daddy? Yeah, you got to be careful because I don't think that there's any, any of us sitting here that would want to hear that our daddy has some illegitimate children. Yes, sir. Now, don't act like you don't happen. Don't act like you. Uh, and outside children. Don't act like you know. Now, we ain't familiar with it, but maybe that's just in Monroe. But you need to understand that it happens. And, yeah, you don't want nobody going around claiming your daddy who don't belong to your family. You see, I get offended when folks start talking about God as your daddy and you ain't representing our family right. Now, some of us got some family members. Can I just talk about it for a minute? Some of us got some family members that make the whole family look bad. Y'all, y'all, are y'all saved tonight, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I got some family members that, that when they get to doing what they do on the weekend, they make the whole family look bad. I know you're right, bro. I know you're right. Uh, yes, sir. So he says, uh, yeah, Abraham can't be your daddy because if Abraham were your father, then you would know me. And you, you're not obeying the teachings of my father, then your father is the devil. My father's not your father. And he says, anyone who obeys these teachings of mine will never die. And they looked at him. He said, now look now, you are you done really lost your mind. We know that you got a devil because even Abraham died and the prophets died. But yeah, don't call it a comeback. All of the other prophets died. All of the other ones died. What make you think you? different. And Jesus, in John chapter 8, verse 58, the Bible says that he said before Abraham was, I am. And the big portion of that verse said they picked up stones to kill him. Yeah, when you start preaching to truth, people run you out of town. Pastor, you start preaching to truth, people don't invite you to preach no more. Yeah, we like them, but we can't deal with them. And so Jesus said, yeah, we got to go down to Judea again. Let me just pause for a moment and say that we need some real life soldiers that are not afraid of what people might do. Not afraid of what people might say. Because he's talking about literal stones here. But we get afraid of the figurative stones that people throw. They worry about what people got to say about. They worry about folks can go to stone and hide their heads. Not worried about because the truth of the matter is they couldn't kill you if they tried. Verse 7, he says, we got to go in there again. His disciples, now they get scared in verse 8. He say, Master, don't you remember? And we was just down there. Yeah, they thought uh, sought to stone you. Yeah, now you got to understand scary folk, Pastor, because yeah, they weren't even looking for them. Yeah, they, they, they weren't even worried about the disciples. They, they weren't even stepping y'all. Yeah, but y'all scared. 
associate you with him. They might try to. Yeah. Can I just pause one more time and tell you, but I ain't got time for no people to be hanging around me that spiritual punks. Yeah, I know it ain't popular. I know it ain't real good. I know, but I need some folks that stand flat footed and will preach the uncompromised, unadulterated, unwatered down pure gospel of Jesus Christ and not worried about how people receive it. They scared to go with him. Scared to go with him. Because if they stone you, they're going to stone us. Yeah, you start finding out when you get in difficult situations who really got your back. Yeah, they start trying to talk you out of your dreams. Yeah, that's cool. So he says in verse 9, he says, oh, that not watch this because I love when Jesus begins to talk because he never addresses directly the issue. He always uses uh, these opportunities to teach. And so he gives them a slight parable. And he says, oh, that not 12 hours in the day. When a man walk in the day, he stumbled not because he's seeing the light of this world. In verse 10, he says, but if a man walk in the night, he's stumbling because there is no light in him. Jesus gives a parable, and the parable is twofold. He talks about light and time. The first thing he's saying to them is, it's a sign for the day to rule for 12 hours. The night can't come until the day is through rule. And so what he was saying was, even if they pick up stones, it ain't my time to die. It's still time for the sun to shine. Yeah, y'all want to talk to me in a minute. He said, I ain't worried about what they can do to me because it ain't time yet. He said, no man taking my life from me, but I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I have the power to pick it up. And yeah, we running around worried what folk can do and what's going to happen to us and worried about this and worried about that, but you'll be quick to quote that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. But every time that rises against me in judgment, I'll shout to I need you to make up your mind what you gonna believe. Because the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his life. Then look at somebody and just tell them, make up your mind. If you gonna rock with him, then rock with him. So, he says that, yes, it's about light and time. He said, it can't take my life even. That's right. If they tried in the other thing that he talks about is the fact that some people operate in the night, which means that they're dead, and the others operate in ignorance. What he was saying is there is no difference between a dead man and an ignorant man. And y'all can guess that man. Ain't no difference because the night hinders your work. So whether you're dead or ignorant, you are one and now let's just move then, y'all didn't like that. And so he says this. We go down to verse 11. He says, these things said he won, uh, and after that he said unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Verse 12 then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, then he do well. Wish we had time to talk about doing well. Ain't got time. Verse 13, he said, how being Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest and sleep. Let me just stop right here and serve notice on you that nobody ever comes with a telegram and tells Jesus that Lazarus is dead. The last news that he got was that Lazarus was sick. I ain't coming while you're sick. That's good, sir. I'm gonna wait until he dies. Nobody told him that he he died. He just 
sitting there until then, but I'm telling you, oh, Lazarus is dead. Yeah. How do you know? Because he goes on down in verse 14 and he said unto them plainly, Lazarus, look, Lazarus is dead. And he had to tell them plainly because they weren't understanding the parables. Yeah, don't you get frustrated when you walk with people that can't understand where you're at? Yeah, can't understand your revelation. So he said to them plainly that Lazarus is dead. And he says to them in verse 15, I'm glad we wasn't there. Yeah, because had we been there, you wouldn't get to see this comeback. Verse 18, and the Bible says that Martha, the same one that had washed his feet with her hair, comes out to him and she finds herself complaining. You got to be careful because it's easy because of circumstances to go from worship to worry. You got to be careful. She was the same one that broke the oil at the alabaster box. And you're the same one that washed his hair or washed his feet with your hair. Now here it is that you're blaming him, saying, Look, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You got to be careful because situations will take you from worship. So she says, she says, listen, she said, I ain't really tripping though, she said, because I know even now that if you want to raise him up, yeah, I know even now, it's about verse 22, whatever you ask God, God will give it to you. Jesus said unto her, your brother going to get up again, don't even trip, it's going to be all right. Verse 24, Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again, don't you? Now, you know, you just got through doubting me, now you want to try to act all revelationary, like you got the revelation, you got the, you got the revelation, like you know. What's really cool? I know that he shall rise again in the last day. Yeah, like she's been in the theological school or something. And she says, I know that he's going to kill up in the last day. Jesus said to her, you don't even know what you're talking about. Because I am the resurrection and I am the life. If I had time to really break down verse 25, I would tell you that the resurrection means to stand up again and the life means to sustain. So he was saying to her, essentially, not only am I the one that can get him up, but I'm the one that had him going in the first place. Yeah, in all translations, it says like this, I am the alpha and oh man, I'm the beginning and yeah, I am the sustainer. The Bible says in John that uh, all things were made by him and for him and without him was nothing made that was made. He is the sustainer of life. He is the word made flesh. And he says, though he were dead, yeah, yet shall he live. And he says, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Yeah, he got to ask the question because he can't do nothing without your faith. Yeah, there's people that's trying to move in God but don't have any faith. Yeah, Hebrew tells us that it's impossible to please him without faith. What money is to this 
realm is what faith is to the unseen realm. Yeah, I tell you, trying to pull up to the gas station to get some money. Yeah. Uh, try to get some gas with your library card. Yeah, he got the same strip as your debit card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but ain't no withdrawals coming out there. And <laughs> yeah, you got to have money the same way. You can't get anything out of God without faith. Uh-huh. Yeah, if you've been coming up empty, I need you to check what you're pulling out with. Okay, let's get my little man here. And then we on. So he says, watch this. He says in 27, she said unto him, yeah, Lord, I believe. Uh-huh. Now, we got somebody to tell him, I believe. I believe. Now, you got to watch this because she doesn't necessarily say that I believe that you can raise her from the dead. Uh-huh. Y'all got to watch it. You got to watch what she says. She never says, she says, watch this. She says, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Yeah, see, sometimes I don't know what God is capable of doing. But I trust that he can do everything. You got to get now unto him that is able. I don't know what all he's capable of. Because the next part of it says this, that he's able to do exceeding abundant above all I could ask or think. So for me to try to think that I can figure him out is to insult his ability. So rather than insult his ability, she just says, I trust you. Yeah, that to help somebody in here tonight that's looking at your circumstances and thinking that God can't fix your circumstance. I need you to take your eyes off of your circumstance and put your eyes on God. Stop talking about how hard the circumstance is, how hard the trial is, and say, I just trust God. Let's hurry on then. She says, yeah, in verse 29, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. The Bible says that Martha left and came to get married. Martha, when got married, told her, look, the master comes and he's calling for you. Now, Jesus was not yet coming to the town, verse 30, but was in that place where Martha met him. All of the Jews that were in the house with Mary decided that we're going to come and we want to see Jesus too. Yeah, that was no matter, bring the crowd with you. I need everybody to see this come back. Yeah, yeah, bring the crowd with you. So they all come. And Mary shows up to where Jesus is and she starts weeping. And watch this, the Jews are weeping also. And the Bible says in verse 33 that Jesus groaned in the spirit and was troubled. That see, we think that our tears move him. I'm helping somebody in here that's been laying up all night crying. Can't get no sleep, but I need you to understand that your tears don't move him. As a matter of fact, their tears cause him to grow. And it troubled him. That just because you're crying don't mean God's going to move. Yeah, yeah, you need to wipe your tears. And get up. The Bible says, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews weeping, he was groaning in the spirit and troubled. The Bible says in 34, he says, show me where you're living. I didn't come for all this. I came for a comeback. I didn't come for all these theatrics. I came for a comeback. I, I didn't come for all of this entertainment stuff. I came for the comeback. He said, show me where you're laying. It's time for the real show. Yeah, show me uh, where you're laying. Verse 35, I, I get 
a little bit more confused because the Bible says that Jesus wept. Yeah, and, and I submit to you that he didn't weep because Lazarus was dead. But he weeped because, or he wept because the people were dead. Yeah, he didn't weep because Lazarus was gone. Because he knew what he was about to do for Lazarus. It's, it's bad when he can look at a dead man and say, the dead man has more hope than in life. Yeah, he looks, he looks at the dead man and says, the dead man is in better shape than the alive token. Yeah, he wasn't crying for Lazarus. He was crying for the people. Yeah, because Lazarus is in a better place than you are. Yeah, and so, yeah, the Bible says, then the Jews said, behold how he loved him. No, he loves you. Yeah, he's weeping for you. You think he's weeping for Lazarus. He's weeping because he loves you. Yeah, he said, here I am standing in front of you, and you're more worried about Lazarus being resurrected than you are living. If I were to leave Lazarus where he is, Lazarus is alright. But if you die today, y'all ain't gonna talk back to me. Verse 37, and some of them said, could not this man, watch this, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died. Yes. Yeah, see, they wanted him to show up early in the game. Uh -huh. Yeah, but you know, LeBron has taken so much criticism because they say he shows up in the early part of the game, but when the game is on the line, uh, he ain't clutch. Yeah, but Jesus is clutch. Yeah, he shows up. Yeah, late in the midnight hour. Yeah, yeah can we go old school when get it? The Bible says in Acts chapter 16, and at midnight. Yeah, that's clutch. Yeah, when they were about to cut their heads off, that's clutch. Yeah, when you were about to lose your mind, he's clutch. You about to lose your house, he's clutch. Marriage about to fall apart, he's Might not come when you're wanting to come. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say he's on time. I'm gonna say he's clutch. And he shows up yeah, when you're most needed. So the Bible says that he began in verse 38 to groan again. Verse 39, he says, take away the stone. Yeah, he says, I'm rolling away. And Martha stepped up and said unto him, Lord, by this time, surely a comeback is improbable. Surely, there's nothing that can be done now. I mean, yeah, yeah, according to the statistics, there's nobody that has come back from the dead thus far. According to history, there's nobody that has risen. So I don't see how surely he's speaking by now. Yes, sir. He's been dead for four days. He's been dead for four days. And Jesus said unto her, didn't I tell you that you needed to change your opinion? Look at what he said. He said, didn't I tell you if you would believe that you would see the glory of God? Yeah, if you would just believe, you'll see God's opinion. If you would just believe, 
Look at somebody, you got to tell them you got to change your opinion. Yeah, you got to change what you say. Yeah, you got to change how you view it. Yeah, didn't I tell you that if you would just believe, you would see the opinion of God. The Bible says in verse 41 that they took the stone away. Yeah, from the place where he was. And Jesus began to pray. Now watch what he said. He says, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you heard me. But I'm only repeating it because there are some non-believers around here. I like the fact that there was constant communication going on. Because I don't have to wait until I'm faced with the adversity before I begin to pray. He said, I'm just praying because I already have the ability to. I wish I had time to talk about the power of prayer. I wish I had just a few more minutes to talk about prayer. But I need you to understand, you need to look closely at what he prays because he never prays for the ability to. He never prays for the unction to because he already has the ability and the unction. Yet it would be like your child coming to you after you already told them they could have some ice cream and them asking you over and over again. After a while, it's going to get on your it's the same way when you continue to ask God, God, give me favor. God, I need you to bless me. God said, I've already given you favor. I've already blessed you. Just learn to walk in the favor. Learn to walk in the blessing. Jesus said, I'm just praying because they here. Yeah, this, this, this ain't for them. This for them. This ain't for me. This for them. And so, let me finish the saying out for you. The Bible says, that in 43 he says with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And I heard the old preacher say that he had to call him by name. Yeah, because if he wouldn't have called him by name, that Elijah might have came forth. And he wouldn't have called Solidify, make sure that this comeback is what it's supposed to be. You lose it. 
been restored. Not just uh, come back. I'm not going back to the formal way. Yeah, I need new stuff. Don't take me back to my old way of thinking. If any man be in Christ, yeah, he ain't going back to being a man. He's a new creature. Yeah, you ain't even a man. He's a new creature. Yeah, the world ain't even seen what you are. They just call you a creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you. 